Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. Merry Christmas. And Glenn Leverance. That's how I know. This is Morning Air. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Morning here, you're home for happy baby noise as well into 2023. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's uh, little baby Glenn along with uh, grown-up Sarah, and John is out today. Thanks for joining us. Another great hour coming up here. We're going to talk about trying to stay uh, focused and happy during those dark, long winter months. And uh, living in Florida probably makes that easier. <laughs> Ann Flynn joins us before the hour is through. Father Burke Master is coming up in just a moment as well to, to look at Holy Orders, continuing that series on the, the sacraments. And, oh, Sarah, that, that, that sad task of uh, taking down the Christmas stuff over the weekend, not completely done. We'll leave some nativity sets going for a while yet. And who knows how long that wreath will be on the, on the front door. But the backdrop to all of that noise-wise was... Football yesterday, a uh, big uh, final day of the regular season in the NFL. Those playoff lineups are set for our upper Midwestern uh, sports fans. The Packers did not make it. They got beat by the Lions, who did not make it because Seattle snuck in the back door there. Bears, well, what they won was the first draft pick in the new new year because, well, they had the worst record in the whole league. And so that's where <laughs> it's consolation so. prize worth <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, then, you know, sometimes there's a little contest for that, too. You know, teams uh, tanking are more popular possibly in the NBA than the NFL. But, uh, hmm, so anyway, big wild card weekend coming up next weekend. And tonight for college football fans, too, the national championship game with Georgia and TCU on the way as well. Uh, speaking of sports, Father Burke Masters, uh, not in baseball season right now, but the, uh, the Catholic chaplain of the Cubs joins us. Uh, Father Burke, Happy New Year to you. Great to have you along today. Thanks, Glenn. Happy New Year to you, too. And, uh, yeah, good weekend of, uh, of football. Now, I, I imagine, are you a Packers fan? I am a Vikings, Vikings fan, yes. Indeed. Vikings fan, yeah. So, so I, so, I'm, a, I'm an Eagles fan, so we may be uh, going head-to-head here in a few weeks. We'll see. Well, I tell fun. you, as a, as a long-time Viking fan, I, I, I kind of doubt that because I don't have much hope we'll get past the first round despite the uh, gaudy 13-4 and regular season record. Almost all of those wins were uh, very close games. The losses were complete blowouts. And, uh, you know, those that have been around for the, uh, the very regular postseason disappointments of uh, Minnesota sports uh, <laughs> don't know that we'll get past <laughs> the, the first round, quite honestly. But I, I, I hope we do, right? And, uh, and good luck to everyone with their their teams out there but maybe a thought before we move on into the kind of the real topic of the day too uh how you know for those that uh, their season ended yesterday right uh, or for any any sporting event uh, you know if you're not the cha- the one championship team your season ends with a loss at some point uh how do you counsel as a chaplain those guys that have poured their you know life's energy and ambition into that game even as an adult and uh, and deal with that loss yeah i try to uh, try to keep things in perspective. You know, as somebody who played college baseball and, you know, you're right. There's, there's only one team that ends with the, the national or world championship. And now with like 30 years past my college career, I think, wow, in the big picture, it means so little, you know, and what matters is eternal life. And so that's the message. It, it's hard to grasp when you're, when you're young and you're in the middle of that, you think this is my life. This is the be all end all of everything. <laughs> and uh, to realize, you know, 
I don't know about you, Glenn, but sometimes a year after the World Series or the Super Bowl, I, I forget who even won. <laughs> and uh, and so I try to remind the guys that, like, okay, uh, I have I have a few championship rings from playing baseball, and there's I honestly don't know. I know they're here in the house somewhere, but I don't know where they're at. And uh, I always tell the kids, I said, you know, people always ask me, did I get a ring when the Cubs won the World Series? And I did not. They they kind of drew the line at paid employees and volunteers, and I'm a volunteer. And I said, you know, the seminarians of the diocese bought me kind of a fake ring, and I, <laughs> I bring it around with me. I, I bring it around with me, and it looks from afar, it looks real. And the kids get all excited when they see it. I said, this isn't real. I said, ultimately, you know, I've got a few rings. They're collecting dust in a drawer. But I said, what matters is that that crown of eternal life that God has for each one of us if we are faithful to him. And uh, so that's the message I always bring is that uh, this life is fleeting. Championships are fleeting. But eternal life is forever. And, uh, you know, whether you win or lose on the field, you know, that isn't who you are. Your, your fundamental identity is as a beloved child of God. Well, amen to that, Father. And uh, just some of the, the good sportsmanship opportunities in sports yesterday, too, whether something is uh, simply as, uh, you know, fairly well known as a good human, J.J. Watt, retiring and uh, being hugged by players from opposing teams as well. He was uh, retiring with the, the Cardinals yesterday. Their final game was against the, the 49ers, and you had some San Francisco players uh, showing great appreciation for his career. To the, the amazing fact that Jamar Hamlin, who lost his life on the field and then regained it through CPR just a week ago, was awake and watching his Bills uh, win with a fabulous start. Uh, the game started with a, a kickoff return for a touchdown, and to see him with his uh, his parents watching was uh, quite amazing as well. But uh, sports, part of life, not all of life, uh, a fun part of life, but uh, as we uh, continue our conversations always about eternal matters here on, on Relevant Radio. We're happy, Father, to kind of turn it over to you to talk a little bit more on that series on sacraments and uh, today looking at holy orders in the catechism. Yeah, and just a real brief on that, your last comment, uh, you know, Damar, I think his uh, experience put things in perspective for the whole league, and I think I think the guys get it, like, that was his life, you know, football is just a game. And so you could see yesterday, almost even the teams that lost, I think a lot of people realize, okay, he almost lost his life, you know, on this field. We lost the game, you know, uh, our life will go on, you know. So, but yes, moving on to, uh, we're finishing the, the Beform series on, on the sacraments. And uh, then we'll be starting a new series coming up on, the life in Christ, morality, freedom, and virtue, which I'm excited about as well. So if we look at holy orders, there's there's three uh, holy orders, bishop, priest, and deacon. And you say, well, well where, is, where is this based? What's the basis of our belief in, in holy orders? And it's on the holy orders of, of Jesus Christ, of course, um, who is the eternal high priest, all of us as priests and the bishops and deacons as well, get our authority, if if you will, from Jesus. And if we look at St. Peter, who says, you know, Jesus Christ is the shepherd and guardian of our souls. The word guardian that's used there in the Greek means bishop, episkopos. And so Christ is the great bishop. He's the 
the kind of gatherer. He's the the teacher, the the leader who is guiding us back to the Father. And so Jesus established holy orders. Uh, you know, he he ordained his twelve apostles as the first bishops in order to continue his presence in the world. And it's so connected to the Eucharist. You know, that's why we believe it. At, on Holy Thursday, we celebrate uh, the institution of the Eucharist and the priesthood, where Jesus looks at his followers and he says, do this in remembrance of me. Uh, you know, he takes the bread, he takes the cup. This is my body. This is my blood. And from that time on, the Eucharist has been celebrated all over the world. And that presence of the Eucharist through the priesthood, through the holy orders, bishops and priests, deacons assist at the altar, you know, the, 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 pres- the presence of Christ continues on in this world. So this is, um, this is something that's really deeply uh, fundamental in our, in our Catholic belief. And God, I believe you're a convert as well, as am I. Uh, yes. When I came into the church, yeah, not really understanding the, the, the priesthood uh, or the Eucharist, you know, I just thought, well, you know, anybody can can preach a sermon, and, and that's true, but it's the the ordaining of uh, you know the bishops and priests and the deacons that continues this uh, presence of Jesus in the world through through the Eucharist, which is which is why I'm I'm Catholic. The Eucharist brought me into the Catholic Church, and it brought me into the priesthood, and it's what sustains me as a priest, and it's this this great gift that God has given me. And, and it's not a, uh, not a prideful thing because uh, we, if we go on, we hear that, uh, you know, uh, in Hebrews that the, the priests are, are taken from among men, which doesn't mean that we're, we're, it means we're separated from, but not better than it's, it's not about dignity. It's about a different role. And so priests are, are taken from among the people. I'm a, human being just like anybody else, but we're called to dedicate ourselves in a unique way to serving God uh, as priests. And what we do is, as priests, we we represent God to the people, and we represent the people to God. So there's this, this, um, this ascending piece of priesthood where, you know, where we are, you know, bringing the prayers and the sacrifice uh, of the people to God. And we're representatives of God with his descending gifts, his charisms, his mercy to the people. And so it's, it's such an incredible privilege, the priesthood. I'm just thinking right now, as I sit in a confessional, I'm sitting in there, I'm representing God to the, to the penitent in the sense of, you know, offering them uh, God's mercy and forgiveness. And I'm also representing the penitent to God and bringing their uh, contrite hearts to God as, you know, I'm acting in the person of Christ, which is incredible. I'm still a man. I'm still a sinner. But it's through the power and the sacrament uh, and this authority that Jesus gave his apostles that has been handed on down through the centuries in apostolic succession to today that I have. It's not me who baptizes. It's not me who forgives sins. It's not me who consecrates the Eucharist. It's Jesus and I am participating in his one, uh, you know, priesthood, which is incredible. 
Father, as you've described it, they're totally uh, amazing. And I imagine at some moments in your priesthood, too, you've stopped to think about, wow, the, the hands that were laid upon me at my ordination were laid upon by hands, by going all the way back to the hands of the early apostles. Uh, and, and how amazing that, is, that continuous line is. It is. You know, I, I've done uh, Ancestry.com, you know, as far as finding out what my ancestral heritage is uh, with my DNA, which mm-hmm. is fascinating. Uh, and then I think about my priesthood. You know, I think, okay, I was ordained by this bishop, who was ordained by that bishop, who was ordained by that bishop, and you trace it all the way back to one of the apostles, uh, who got his priesthood from Jesus himself. And I wish there's, there's a website that helps bishops find their, uh, their, the, the heritage of their bishops that goes back. But I don't think they, they have the records, you know, that go all the way back to the exact apostle that they got it from. But I find that fascinating that we can trace that lineage all the way back. Um, it's a, it's a powerful reminder, and, and that's one of the things that drew me to the Catholic Church was apostolic succession, that we trace all of these things back to the time of Christ. And that's, that's what we've been doing in this, um, this unit on the sacraments is, you know, Jesus established these sacraments. And then you look at the early church, um, they, t- they call it the, you know, the apostolic age, which is like the Acts of the Apostles, and then the patristic age, which goes up until about the 8th century, they were practicing these same things from the time of Christ then, and we continue them today. So it wasn't like we just created these sacraments out of the blue. Uh, they've been passed on to us by the Lord himself. And again, what a, what a privilege that is to be, to be a part of that, that ancient heritage that goes back 2,000 years. Father Burke Masters, our guest for this portion of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app, taking a look at holy orders today. Father, kind of fun to look back even uh, before Christ to Old Testament times uh, when uh, the priests were raised up to help uh, lead those poor people wandering about, and uh, it it got to be a a lot of work, and so an organization of help was needed. Yeah, and so uh, I don't know if, if... You or the listeners are watching The Chosen. Um, I find it to be so powerful. Uh, one of the best representations of of Jesus and his followers that I've ever seen. And there was a scene in one of the recent episodes that really struck me. Jesus had the 12 apostles gathered there. And, you know, he said, I can't do all of this. Uh, you know, I'm going to need you. And you could you can imagine being in that room, these twelve men who who know that they're you know, they're fishermen, they're tax collectors, they're sinners, and he's saying, I need you to go out two by two and to continue, you know, this ministry. And uh you know, the the daunting task of you know, now the world the whole world, whether they believe or follow Jesus, that's another story, but the whole world has heard the message of Jesus and it started with these 12 men. And, uh, I think, wow. Um, I'm, I'm a part of that, that, that succession that continues to this day. And, uh, you know, the, the goal of the priest, the priesthood is the salvation of souls. And that's, that's about holy orders. All of what we do is meant to, bring people back to God. 
And, uh, you know, when I was in the corporate world, um, I worked as an actuary for a while and, and I enjoyed it. You know, I was making good money. And, but honestly, there were times when I, like, oh boy, is this what the next 40 or 50 years are going to be like? And now as a priest, I, I thought priesthood would be really boring and monotonous. And what I get to do all day long is to bring people to Jesus, is to help them encounter the Lord through the sacraments, through the different uh, gifts and charism that, that God has given me. And every day is different. It's just this amazing privilege, um, you know, to to maybe be a, a, a piece of making an eternal difference in someone's life. Again, it's not me who does it, but I, I feel like... Uh, uh, St. Andrew, you know, when he met Christ, he went and got his brother Simon right away and said, you've got to meet this guy. And uh, and that's what, that's what my life as a priest is, and to do it in a very specific way through the sacraments um, is just a, it's a very humbling experience. And for vocation directors out there who might want to just uh, use in its entirety the last couple minutes of what Father Burke Masters said, uh, look for the archives uh, later on today at RelevantRadio.com. So well said, but talk about the importance of being able to to share that joy with uh, young men that might be feeling that call, that tug, and realizing that, yes, indeed, this is what you're called to do day after day. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, When I first felt the call, I, I honestly, because I it's one of the hard things about priesthood is you, you don't know what it's like until you get into it. It's kind of like marriage. You know, you can, you can imagine what marriage will be like, but it's not until you're married, do you know it? And so from the outside looking in, I thought being a priest would mean I would be lonely, bored, and poor. <laughs> That's what I envisioned. And, you know, the poor piece, you know, I, I don't make a lot of money, but my needs are taken care of. So it, money is kind of taken off the, the table so I can focus on the ministry. Am I lonely? Every human being gets lonely, whether you're married or not. I, I once heard Archbishop Sarton say this, and it really struck me. He said, loneliness is God's invitation to intimacy with him. Say that again. Loneliness is God's invitation to intimacy with him, meaning um, God made us with a longing in our heart that only he can fill. And so I used to think that loneliness would be a product of being single or celibate, but as I talk to married people, married people experience longing and loneliness too. So uh, loneliness is is a is an invitation to drop to our knees and pray to God. And uh, would I be bored? Oh my goodness! I think about it in my parish here. We have about fifteen hundred families, probably five thousand people, and and two priests. You can imagine all of the spiritual needs of five thousand people, you know. And and so every day, there's more to do than. I can possibly do. I do. I do what I can. I prioritize and, you know, lift up uh, my parish and parishioners to the Lord. And there is nothing bored about being a priest. And uh, so I just want to encourage if uh, there's any young men out there who are feeling this call to the priesthood, but they're afraid or they're wondering, gosh, you know, is, is this going to be fulfilling? Oh, my goodness. Uh, if it is your call, there's going to be nothing like it for you in the world. The same thing if somebody's feeling called to consecrated life or marriage, if it's your call, that's where you're going to find uh, the greatest joy, the greatest peace, and that's where you're going to continue to fulfill this mission that God has given you. So the key is in encountering the Lord, 
listening to his call and following it. Uh, there's, that's where we're all going to find our own peace and fulfillment, but also continue Christ's mission in the world. Father, last hour would have been fun to have you along as we talked for just a moment or two about uh, collecting things, including baseball cards. And uh, as I had one in my hand, I look at it again and think, boy, when I bought this new 50 years ago, might have been about the last time I was bored. Uh, as an adult, there's always lots <laughs> and lots to do, for sure. But it, just as a, as a final thought, uh, again, leaning toward vocations, uh, Father, and talking about the, the priesthood, but uh, that call to whatever vocation our vocation is, but... Uh, uh, you know, learning to, to feel that peace, to know that indeed was the call we heard and we're responding uh, appropriately. And uh, any tips maybe on, on listening for that peace? Yeah, silence is so key in this. Um, I remember when I started to go to Eucharistic Adoration, I didn't know how to pray. I would just read a book. <laughs> but then I started to put the book down and just kind of you know, listen and talk to God. And I, did, I didn't hear any audible voices, but what did happen was every time I went to pray, the idea of priesthood kept coming to mind involuntarily. And that's what, what it means to have a call, I think. And and so I didn't want to be a priest, but I, I started feeling this call. And little by little, the desire started to follow. Gosh, if God loves me and he's got a great plan for my life, if this is what God wants me to do, it's going to be better than, than than my plan. But for a long time, I didn't trust him. And so finally, I had to say, God, I trust you. I surrender. I'm going to go to seminary to give this a try. And it was finally when I went walked into the seminary that I realized this is what I'm called to do. So I can't um, overstate um, the importance of silence, and especially in, in adoration. Jesus is ultimately the the vocation director with a capital V and a capital D. Oh, amen to that. Well, Father Burke Masters, always a pleasure to have you along. We're glad you're a regular guest and uh, look forward to our, our next chance to chat with you a little bit more as you continue that series on uh, on sacraments and uh, continue moving uh, moving ahead as well with uh, more great material for us. We're glad you uh, said yes to that call and uh, go baseball. It's going to be a little while, not too long, next month already uh, toward the end of the month, spring training. So uh, hope springs eternal as well as uh, the promise of warmer weather. It's uh, necessary in the, <laughs> the northern climates to, to look at that. Coming up next, we're going to look at what it takes to stay cheerful during these dark days of winter. A, a very cheerful Ann Flynn joins us this morning. Here continues right around the corner. Another story corner coming up before the end of the hour, too, all on the way here at Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. Your love lifted me higher than I've ever been lifted before. Striving to bring a little joy to your morning here. It's Morning Air. Glenn and Sarah on. John is off today. Thanks for joining us. My goodness, Sarah, you look at uh, this originally came out of a study in England and uh, just a week away from now, they have January 16th is pegged to be the saddest day of 2023 because combination post-Christmas blues, cold, dark nights, the arrival of unpaid credit card bills, 
How do we make it through? My goodness. Well, we do. We do every year, don't we? We, we do. But you got any tricks in your household for making it through these winter months? Oh, wow. January 60th. That's a, it's my aunt's birthday and the day right before my sister's birthday. So that's kind of sad for them that <laughs> they're right at the saddest time of January. Oh, man. I, you know what? That makes sense, though, because, yeah, the bills are hitting home and the, the excitement and all the desserts, all of the excitement, all the aftershock, basically, of Christmas is kind of just coming to a halt finally around that time, I imagine. So, oh, man, you know what? The best way to get rid, at least for me, the best way to get rid of, of all those blues is just to, uh, when praying the family rosary across America or the Divine Mercy Chaplet, because you just hear about so many other things that are going on in people's lives that are so hard to deal with that, uh, you know, so, you know, all of a sudden that uh, that bill doesn't seem so bad when compared to the, the real life hard stuff that people are going through and being able to pray with them and just kind of get together on that kind of can switch it a little bit, you know, to give you a little bit of a refresher on, you know, what is really important. Well, absolutely. And uh, you for a long time were uh, one of the co-hosts on the weekend for that as well. The Family Rosary Across America with Father Rocky heard uh, every day, 7 p.m. Central here on Relevant Radio. But really, uh, what was that like hearing, you know, we, we tune in and we hear the prayer requests, the, the great need, the the, the great sorrow quite often from people around the country. What was it like uh, to, to realize uh, what's out there more than just kind of what's in our own little lives? Uh, yeah, no, that that's exactly what it is. It's it's so beautiful to be able to say, you know, because you, you get caught up in, yeah, woe is me, basically. <laughs> really, any moment of the day with all the things that you're dealing with, and they're so small sometimes compared to the big things that people are dealing with, and just also just solidarity, because then you're hearing about, uh, there were so many petitions that I would read that we didn't, you know, we didn't have time to read on air and pray for. So just, to, wow, I'm going through something like that, or I know someone who's going through something like that. And so, hey, just to know know that you're not alone in the pain and the suffering and the sad things and the hard things really that sometimes we have to go through but oftentimes there were praise reports so you know getting that someone saying hey we got that miracle just the good things are happening too not to always be down you know to say that all, all the sad things that are happening but good things are happening too and that kind of recognizing that in your own life is a good way to stay cheerful as well. So me putting away my Christmas tree wasn't the, the hardest thing that anybody's dealing with across America today, you're saying. Well, so, I, uh, probably not, Glenn. No. <laughs> uh, we appreciate those insights as well. Time to get some more from Ann Flynn talking about staying cheerful during these dark days of winter. Ann's had 20 years of teaching in Catholic schools. She was Minnesota's Honor Teacher of the Year in 2021, a religion coordinator, a cancer survivor, wife, mom, and grandmother to seven. Lots of reasons for joy there. Uh, Ann, great to have you along and uh, happy kind of post-Christmas. Oh, goodness sakes. You already put away your Christmas tree. Shame on you. <laughs> no, 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 I put no, away no, the tree. I've yet. got we other stuff that. up yet. I've got my nativity sets. They're still going in that wreath. That wreath is going to be on the front door probably till Easter, you know. So I'm not done yet. <laughs> I'm not done yet. Oh, wait. There's something about that, though, too. Do not. You have to take your wreath down by, by February 2nd. There's All right, a, I probably a, will. I probably will. There's an old legend about that. <laughs> there's an old legend about that, too. Oh, my gosh, talk about legends and things and keeping that spirit alive. You know, you, you guys were talking about, you know, coming down off Christmas. No, Christmas is 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 um, just the very beginning. We're, you know, we're just starting. Um, I think a lot of people forget to pace themselves <laughs> so that you can enjoy this full experience because, Technically, I know the church has changed a little bit, but 
they're you know they're they're teaching it on this, but technically that Christmas spirit, that Christmas season should extend to February second when we present the Lord in the temple. Um, there's still so much richness of our faith to be discovered in these in these dreary dark you know weeks before you know the sun starts coming up again when it should right. And I think that's interesting too. You know, you talk about Saint John the Baptist. Um, you know, we're talking about the, the baptism of the Lord today. And he said, you know, I shall decrease as he shall increase. Well, guess what? The sun is starting to increase now after Christmas. You know, you get the darkest day of the year right before Christmas. And then the light starts gaining on us again um, through till spring. And of course, in Lent and Easter season um, before us. So there's still a lot of, of fun to be had. Stay, keeping the light in this um, in these dreary dark days, it's important. Um, we've been we've just received the light of Christ in in that um, small stable. Now we need to be that light to others. You know, you talked about the Rosary Cross America and all the needs. Okay, if we're in a good place right now, let's share that light. Let's be that light. And so many times, you know, they say to get out of those dumps, those drears the negativity of ourselves and worry about ourselves to get out of ourselves, right? Search out someone that's in need at this time and, and to help. And you know what? Your worries do go away. You know, you go and, and, and join in on like a funeral, help, helping at a funeral mass, for example, at, at the uh, breakfast or whatever. Help out, clean the dishes. As you're doing that, you know, you can know that you're doing something good for someone else. And it takes away all your worries that day. I'm telling you, there are so many good things that we can be doing. Well, Anne, as we head toward ordinary time, it, it helps us to realize, right, that our, our, our faith can uh, keep us going one day at a time. Every single day of the year in our society, I think, sometimes focuses too much uh, or helps us focus too much on events, trying to get from one big fun thing to the next big fun thing. And if there's a little bit too much time between the big fun things, then we might get a little bit sad. But we're made to have that, that joy in each and every day. I remember one of my priest friends that um, during a homily just pounded on that ambo and said, there is nothing ordinary about ordinary time. And he's <laughs> right. You know, there's still plenty of, of learning to be done and to be had during ordinary time. And, you know, take the richness of the readings and expound on them, you know, and do do some things that still pull Christmas season out a little longer. Like now would be a really good time, for example, to um, explore uh, uh, other cultures and how other cultures celebrated their Christmases and to learn a little bit of your history and to maybe bring out some new traditions. Now would be a great time to explore some of those things. You know, we've got candlemas coming up, you know, finding some blessed candles and, you know, again, light in the darkness. Um, I learned when we just recently moved down here into the South and one of the Southern customs, because, you know, Santa doesn't have reindeer down here. There's no reindeer and there's no right. snow. Does he have alligators pull the sleigh? How does that work down there? How does that work? Is it alligators or kind of come swamp monsters or what does he have down in Pensacola there? Yeah, we have Papa Noel and he drives a boat. And it's pulled <laughs> by alligators. And we do. We have boat parades down here, and the, the boats are lit up like Christmas trees. And it's it's a beautiful, very festive thing. But it's, 
you know, you have to kind of expand your horizons here a little bit with how you um, accept Santa Claus and St. Nicholas in your life. And then also, you know, they've got Mardi Gras prep is already full-blown starting out, and we know what Mardi Gras is. It's Fat Tuesday, and that's in preparation for Lent already. And actually, that was um, connected to New Year's. So it's it, it, the more you study this, the more you learn, the more deep the wealth of, under, of um, our culture, our Catholic culture is. It's just um, amazing, all of the richness and the connections. Now, Anne, for many years... No, you had for many years, Anne, the opportunity to teach beautiful little second graders uh, for years and years and years. And do did you learn anything? You know, in addition, we talk about going from one holiday to the next and, you know, one event to the next. And a lot of the school calendar is put together that way, especially a Catholic school calendar from one feast day to another and uh, teaching kids about these things and giving them a little reason to, uh, you know, whip up a little creation with construction paper and, and celebrate something. But kids kind of come pre-programmed with enthusiasm for each and every day. Did you learn anything about living every day to its fullest from the little ones? Absolutely. And just, you know, finding things, now is a good time to also find creative ways of bringing out that wonder and awe. You know, there's a wonder and awe under the Christmas tree, but now is a great time, especially because, like I said, the sun, you know, is pretty much non-existent for a big part of the, the night, you can go out. You can, you know, it's still early enough to take the kids outside and look at the stars. Talk about, you know, the Magi. You know, they just arrived yesterday. You know, I mean, you could have been watching the stars. And, you know, these are things once we learn them, too, if you, if you feel like, oh, darn, I missed it. Mark it on your calendar for next year. There's still a lot of wonder to be had, even for as the kids get a little older. Um, even adults, you know, I, I still love going out and looking at the stars. Who doesn't? It's still early enough in, you know, at night to take them outside, even in that bitter cold that you're experiencing up there in the, in the north. You can go out. It just takes a few minutes to bundle them up and go out, just check out some stars. There's still, and then you can start talking about the science behind it, you know, too. You can, we were, I was very blessed to be able to be in that Catholic school system so you can tie these things all together. I know when the kids were little, uh, you know, we put on every layer we had, the snowmobile suits, the snow pants, the parkas, the big jackets, of course, all of these things. And there was a, a meteor shower going on. I don't remember which one it was, but it was in the heart of winter and there was a ton of snow. And nearby was a, a golf course that had, you know, enough of the, the hills and valleys. I thought, okay, we're laying in the lower spot. We'll be down below any of the uh, the lights uh, nearby, and so it'll be sort of dark in the middle of the city. We can just lay there on the snow and look up. And you know, we lasted I uh, maybe forty five minutes till it got a little bit too cool. But that was a fun adventure to have in the midst of the winter weather, in the midst of darkness. But to be able to look at some amazing parts of God's creation in terms of the, the stars. And we'll talk more about making the the best of the situation we had. There's a lot of fun to be had in nature, even in our cold, dark climates. We'll continue our conversation with Ann Flynn coming up right around the corner and take your calls too. Uh, good ways that uh, you have survived long cold winter post-Christmas at 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. Back with more of Morning Air right here on Relevant Radio and on the Relevant Radio app. 
Thanks for making us part of your new day here. Morning Air continues. Glenn and Sarah, John out today. And Flynn is with us. We're talking about uh, staying cheerful during these dark days of winter. One of those ways is to kind of keep some of Christmas uh, still going uh, into into the new month here. And uh, Anne, with little kids, and we've talked in the past about nativity scenes and how great it is to have some that the kids can interact with and play. And uh, I loved, even though they, well, they weren't too breakable, so I guess I didn't mind. But when uh, my kids were discovered kind of talking the nativity scene, that was just great, you know. And uh, for so many, that journey across the, the living room or around the house to the nativity scene for the wise men here <laughs> just uh, landing over the, over the weekend. But uh, maybe a caution if kids take it too far and for the baptism of our Lord, if they're dunking baby Jesus in the sink, maybe we shouldn't go quite that far? Or I, I don't know. Oh, no, I think let them do it. Let them explore <laughs> and splash in the water a little bit, right? Oh, my goodness. Yes, absolutely. You know, let them take it that far and see where they go. I'm, I'm a big uh, proponent of, of uh, the imagination. You know, obviously you can imagine um, good and evil, you know, alike, it's like with anything, you know, we can make it for good or make it for bad. And so, you know, just, of course, watch and monitor them and what they're doing. <laughs> why, why are they dunking Jesus? But certainly, you know, I'm all about, you know, watching them explore and learn because I think that's the best way for them to learn. You know, being being um, lectured at all the time is not always the best way to learn. I mean, uh, my husband's mom used to always say, live and learn, you know, you let them go. And that's the best way they're going to learn how to not poke their eye out, right? <laughs> we hope they, uh, you know, they have two eyes, but we hope they get to keep both of those. But uh, yeah, there's always that balance, that that, that balance. And uh, maybe the, the older and hopefully wiser we get, we realize yeah, a little bit of uh, letting them do their thing isn't isn't that bad all along. Uh, as we, uh, again, continue to talk about how to stay cheerful during the dark days of winter. Kids can be a great way to do that. They uh, keep our focus on the, on the day-to-day, you know, whether we want to or not. Uh, there's not time to kind of just lay around and, and, and miss, you know, the, the fun of uh, Christmas gatherings and things like that because we got to go day after day. Another thing, too, for those living in the warmer, darker, colder climates uh, as well, with kids, kids don't seem to have very much of an external temperature sensor. They're ready to go out and play no matter what the weather is. You know, and the battle is keeping the hat on or keeping the jacket zipped up and all of that. But uh, to let them play in the great outdoors can be great and uh, can bring joy to others as well. I know sometimes it looks like little Easter eggs out running around in the back when you see the little kids in all their snowsuits. Uh, uh, but having a, having a blast, and maybe we can learn a little bit from that as an adult, too, to enjoy whatever environment we're in. Absolutely. You know, it, it was always um, a, a struggle getting them ready for recess, outdoor recess during school. Um, you know, there's always the battle of zip your jacket up, zip your, get your hat back on, get those mittens back on. But you know what? After a while, I just <laughs> gave up. You know, you try and do your best, and obviously if they're cold, you take care of them. But they do. They totally run at a different temperature, and it's it's just fun to watch them build snow forts and and yeah, just get excited about winter. I mean, the I remember some days when the snow would start during class. All bets were off for learning. You know, they were just <laughs> running for that window. There was no chance I was going to get any actual learning done. But then we talk about it. You know, you take those those snowflakes and then you go with it. You run with it. 
look at how in, they're just as individual as we are. They None of them are alike. And then you can, like, actually sit down and then have them pull them back by having them make a snowflake. You know, we've got um, St. Agnes's um, feast day comes up here pretty quick, and St. Agnes flowers are actually snowflakes. That's when we cut out snowflakes and make them and stick them on the windows. So you can still, again, bring your faith in, bring science in, you know, bring it all together and make those connections for the kids. And it makes the season a little richer, I think. That is something I've not thought about in uh, several decades. And I think I might do that when the show is over today. Take a piece of paper, fold it up a few dozen times until I can't fold it anymore and take the scissors to it and and create a snowflake. Oh, that is a great memory. And that uh, maybe a little more fun memory than the knit mittens getting so wet trying to, you know, make snowballs. And then the 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 mitten string, which is, uh, you know, for the really little ones so they don't lose their mittens, the string that attaches them and goes through the arms of the jacket. And my wife recently, to help herself not lose her mittens, bought uh, the modern-day adult equivalent of that, a, <laughs> a long, elastic <laughs> piece oh, with the snaps on the end, uh, her mitten <laughs> string. And so, uh, yeah, help those little ones, but learn from them at the same time. And, you know, they love it when an adult is helping them a little bit at home on the weekend or maybe a visit to grandma and grandpa. And everybody can make some some of those snowflakes. Uh, and, uh, with the right, and it and doesn't the take much. It, it doesn't take much time to... Um, teach them. And once they're taught, all bets are off for that too. You're going to have a thousand snowflakes by the end of the day. And it's fun (laughs) because you can also tell them, let's make a snowflake for your neighbor. Let's make one for this other teacher in the building. The art teacher never gets anything or, you know, the science teacher. You can, you know, it's something that they can bring, something that they made, something that's unique, just like they are. And present that. It's, it's, like I said, it's so, so deep and so rich. And you can just take a simple paper snowflake and turn it into something. And we even attach prayers to them sometimes and um, would, again, present them to other people like our principal or whatever. We put a pile of them on his desk. You know, good luck. <laughs> oh, how sweet. But, hey, maybe a good a yeah. good moment, too, uh, Anne, too, to talk about uh, Catholic schooling a little bit, too, that affords teachers that opportunity to, to pivot and say it's snowing and then talk about God's creation, how we're created Again, like you said, individually like the snowflakes. And you can you can take, you know, what's happening in real life and uh, turn it into a science lesson and then a theology lesson from there. Right. It's so important to do. You kind of have to go where the kids are some days. You just chuck that lesson planner out the window and go with what they know. They have questions. They want to know. And like I said, the lecturing and forcing them to learn certain things doesn't always work. In fact, I think my best lessons always came from what they were curious about. You know, why does that happen, Mrs. Flynn? Why are those leaves out on the parking lot all different colors? You know, you just take it from there. It's, um, I think we need to be more um, in tune with them and, and take time to listen to what their questions are. I know life is very busy for most families and you just, a lot of times we want to do things for them because it's faster. Oh, come here, give me that vacuum. I'll just finish it for you because you're not learning how to vacuum. But you, you don't realize that it doesn't take much time to teach them that. And then once they're taught, let them go. Let them try, you know, vacuuming. Let them try something else because if you don't, you're taking away their opportunity to help and be part of the family and to be part of 
or the, even part of the classroom. If I'm sh- doing all the pencil sharpening at the end of the day because I can't take the sound all day long, <laughs> that's on me. <laughs> you know, that's on me, that grinding pencil sharpener. But if, but if you teach them how to do it and they can do it on their own, you've taught them something. And a life lesson, honestly, I'm never, I don't have to sharpen their pencils anymore. Me, me. Now, isn't the old-fashioned but the, the good mechanical hand-crank pencil sharpener, the noise of that is better than the electric sharpener noise, don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But, but we're talking about really those teachable moments, and we're possible not only for teachers but parents as well to take that moment when uh, the kid's imagination is sparked and they ask about something. They're curious about something. You both experience something new and different uh, maybe for the first time or certainly for the child's first time. And maybe you haven't thought about it, uh, whether it be cutting those snowflakes out of paper or whatever for a long time. But to, to take that moment uh, to be with the kids in that moment. And that's really a good lesson for all of us to be more in the present moment and not just wish away this time of year even, but be present in the moment each and every day. Right. And it does t- remind us to become more childlike. It's okay to secretly cut out paper, paper, um, you know, snowflakes at your desk at work. <laughs> it's okay. It's, it helps us to become, like I said, more childlike and bring us back to our faith. So I think it's a beautiful thing. I think it's important for all of us to bring back some of the wonder. I mean, the story never gets old, Glenn. This Christmas story, how many years have we heard it? 60, 70? It never gets old. Oh, amen to that. And uh, Anne, thank you so much for the good ideas on staying cheerful during these dark days of winter and also for diminishing the supply of copy paper in offices around the country uh, today as folks are uh, striving to make a few more of those paper snowflakes. But uh, best of luck so uh, enjoying the environment where the only snowflakes you have are those made out of paper. But we appreciate the time. Yeah. Anne Flynn joining us this morning. Morning Air continues now with a look a little bit at parenting as well with today's Story Corner. In our story today from Love What Matters called Parenting a Middle Schooler is Like Realizing in the middle of the day while your child is at school that she probably forgot to make sure her black pants are clean for the band concert, which is tonight. And then thinking to yourself, well, I'm not bailing her out. That was her responsibility. If her pants are dirty, they're dirty. But then thinking, oh, she's such a good kid and she's allowed to forget things followed by, but what lessons am I teaching her if I save her in every situation like this? But also, my mom would have totally saved me and washed my pants, and I turned out to be a well-adjusted, fully functioning, independent adult. However, you did remind her multiple times, and no one appreciates the 900 things you do for them all day around here, but you'll stress over this all day knowing you could have just washed them and avoided drama later. So you go upstairs and rifle through her laundry, and sure enough, you find her black pants at the bottom of the pile, so you toss them into the washing machine, and you feel better knowing that she'll be ready for tonight. But you also have every intention of making sure she hears about how this should not have been your job to remember. But you won't be too hard on her, because tonight's a big night, and she's really a great kid, and you just want it to be a happy occasion for her, and for her to know that you're proud, because they're just pants that she should have remembered to put in the wash. But she's 12, and so you remember that you often forget to do the stuff that you have to do, and you're 42. So you do what moms do, even if you're grumbling to yourself as you press start on the washing machine. And even if you feel a twinge of joy, relief, 
happiness that she still needs you because the years are flying by and she was just in preschool like 11 minutes ago and it kind of feels good to be a mom and save the day sometimes. So you wash the pants and when she goes to get ready for the concert later in panic saying, oh no, I forgot to make sure my black pants were clean, you say, don't worry, I took care of it. Because sometimes that's what being a mom of a middle schooler is all about. From Colossians 3.14, And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. That's our story for today. Thanks for joining us for the Story Corner. You can hear each story again if you'd like, or to share it in podcast form. It's available on the Relevant Radio app as well as our website, relevantradio.com. Also on Facebook at Glenn Story Corner, the text and audio version available later on each morning as well. If you have suggestions for the Story Corner, things you've run across or even maybe written yourself you think would be great to share with America, feel free to send those to us. That's morningair at relevantradio.com, morningair at relevantradio.com. Well, here as we uh, scramble toward... uh, Ordinary time coming out of the Christmas season. Uh, look for those little ways uh, to keep this uh, winter bright for yourself and for others, too. We can certainly have fun and uh, share the joy, share the learning, share the exploration of our faith. A good way to do that is to learn all about it on the Patrick Madrid Show. He's coming up next. Cyrus along, too. That's all on the way here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks to Sarah and producer Gabby. John back tomorrow here on Relevant Radio for more of Morning Air.